Hey, Real Health Rising listeners, welcome to our first mini-sode. Every now and then, you'll hear directly from us, your hosts, for a special series on our personal experiences and perspectives regarding rural health. And for today's topic, the best care is local. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. So, J.J., how did we get to talking about this particular topic today? This is kind of a, a phrase that we've taken and applied to healthcare, but it comes from somewhere else, right? Well, you know, Rachel, uh, you and I, I think, share a passion for uh, government. Uh, we both have been involved at some level in government, whether it's local, state, or federal. Uh, you yourself actually were a candidate at one time for a city Once position, upon correct? a time, yeah. just a candidate. <laughs> just a candidate. That's all right. You know, that's all right. Probably served you better in the world that we live in today that maybe you weren't elected, right? Right, exactly. But uh, you would have done a great job. However, we, we do share some of those similar uh, passions when it comes to, you know, taking interest in what is uh, going on around us. And we've had many conversations, Rachel, with uh, political leaders, both at the local and at the state level. And now as we expand into this podcast, we we're, we're, we're have a new audience. And that audience, you know, wants to hear a little bit more than just what's going on in Michigan. And so we begin to have dialogue with people like Congressman Tim Wahlberg. And, you know, after that episode, you and I really reflected upon government in general and uh, talking about uh, some rollout of COVID and some other issues. And you know, I shared with you that in my under, undergraduate degree at Hillsdale College, uh, you know, how we learned very quickly that, uh, you know, all forms of government uh, are local. And, uh, you know, all uh, when, you, when you consider uh, the government, should it be done at the local, the state, or the federal level, uh, to be governed really is at the local level. And, uh, you know, we know what's best for us in our communities, right? Right. Uh, we know what the uniquenesses of Hillsdale and each of those respective communities do. And that's why, honestly, you know, school board elections, I feel, are very important. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they set the tone for education in your community. And many people scoff at that. And many times it's hard for school board uh, members to recruit other school board members because they look at it as, oh, it's labor intense. You get complaints. You know, you want. But you have a great opportunity to set the tone for the district, uh, the curriculum for which students are learning. And then let's take that a step further. So even beyond that local, uh, you know, position of school board member, so you have other, you know, positions such as county commissioner, aldermen's, you know, city council members, and those are equally important. Consider this, you know, at a county level, they're making a lot of very important decisions about the sustainability of the county. Right. Uh, making decisions, do we support this particular program, economic development specifically, and the list goes on. And so uh, we begin to see that how we're fashioned and how we're governed is really at that level local level. So it's we often think, well, it's done at the state level and whatever the state does and it's done at the federal level. And, you know, but how many times do you sit down and have discussions with your U.S. senator or your U.S. representative? You don't. But you are going to run into your school board member at the grocery store. You are going to run into your county commissioner and right. you are going to run into your city council member and you're going to have better access to them. You mm -hmm. may even have them on a texting relationship like I do. And you are disappointed, so you send a text. And you want to praise them, you send a text. And those are very important. So understanding that concept, Rachel, that I learned many years ago at Hillsdale College of every form of government, you know, basically is is needs to be at that local level. Uh, and we think about community and 
we got talking a little bit about let's that same concept applies to healthcare. Right. You know, all forms of healthcare are best local. Right. For the same reasons. And I think we could spend a little bit of time talking about that right now. But uh, when you consider local healthcare, we have a lot of autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, we can set what programs we're going to roll out in our community. Uh, we can determine what programs such as mental health services that are important to our community specifically. We don't have to wait for the state of Michigan to come here. And we've done that uh, here at Hillsdale Hospital on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we identified a need, uh, you know, well over a decade and, and now almost two decades uh, for mental health services in our community. And we launched a uh, program where we identified that there was a gap between the care of individuals uh, that were released from the hospital or from uh, their their care in a uh, institution uh, for behavioral health. And we did not have that service available in Hillsdale. So we got together. Uh, we created a capital campaign. At the time, I was working for the county, and I participated with the hospital in that endeavor. And and the, the locality of that, okay, the fact that we can get together uh, as a team with the county sheriff and with the county prosecutor and with a judge, uh, Judge Newcomb at the time, and with hospital executives, and within a very small time frame, within a week or two, we've mapped out what we need, and that was rural health uh, needed to take an interest in mental health services. Mm-hmm. And so from there, Rachel, we were able to launch a, a nine-bed uh, mental health, uh, behavioral health unit, and that happened at the local level. We couldn't wait for the state. In fact, the state, uh, just decades and decades before, under an administration in Lansing actually eliminated the state institutions uh, from throughout Michigan. And Mm -hmm. so these individuals that needed the care the most were finding them now in the emergency departments and in the jails. And it's not appropriate for them. So every form of that planning became local and every need was localized. And we met that need. And today I'm pleased to announce that our behavioral health unit is mostly full. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you might say, well, why are you pleased about that? Because they're getting the care that they need. Right. These individuals would be elsewhere. They would be in our emergency departments seeking uh, potentially uh, you know, treatment. They would be in our uh, county jails because they weren't on a treatment regimen and they unfortunately were detained and or acted out. And so um, proper uh, utilization of mental health services in a county had to be reviewed at a local level. Now, we've done that throughout our history here. We've done that with our skilled nursing facility. We recognized a need to have a long-term care facility, and uh, that is coming together locally and identifying what are the needs in our community. Big systems, uh, health systems throughout the United States and even in Michigan, you know, they look at this from only a profit center. So they're making their decisions, not based on local need. I Mm -hmm. I submit that to you. And if they're listening today and want to take issue with it, let's talk. Right. Uh, Because we know (laughs) that that's the case. We see it all the time. Right. And how do we know it happens? Because what we watch is when they purchase small hospitals, Rachel, what are the first few things they get rid of? Obstetrics. Mental health. Absolutely. And why is that? Because they don't make money. And so what happens is, and, and this is why this point is so important about the best care being local, is... If you have a bigger system that is off in another city where the decisions are being made, they're not seeing, they're not at the bedside. They're not seeing the patients who are receiving that care, who need that care. Instead, they're looking at our entire system has to be sustainable. So making the sacrifice to operate an OB unit and a behavioral health unit at a loss 
knowing that you are going to intentionally work to make up those losses in your other service lines, that's not the thought process at all. It's a very different scenario, and it's looked at in a much more corporate mentality as opposed to that community-oriented mentality, Um, and not out of malice, but just out of that's the way it works. Sure. So picture this. If corporate was making that decision, not locally based decisions, obviously not going to meet with a local sheriff or the judges or uh, the hospital executives or making it from a pure uh, business standpoint, right. profitability. Um, and obviously they would not have chosen to have a behavioral health unit or a skilled nursing facility. Right. Can you imagine what would happen if we're not serving this population in our community? Thousands of lives not being served Absolutely. in the way they need to be every single year. And we hear this word underserved. But we live in it every day. We right. see underserved individuals every day in rural health, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to meet those needs. Now, we're trying to do it on a shoestring budget with state cuts, federal cuts, with a payer mix like mine, Rachel, uh, that's 70% Medicaid, Medicare. That's right. very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also understand the intrinsic value of local. And we know the importance of making sure that we take care of our community. The greatest fear that I have is if our hospital was to ever be acquired, and it's not going to happen under me. You can play this back year after year. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, That is not the strategy that I would ever recommend uh, to the Board of Trustees. But let's assume that, you know, I'm done and for whatever reason they choose to affiliate with a large system. Uh, The danger that it poses is that you will never return these services to rural communities. Mm -hmm. We've watched it. When big hospital systems purchase small rural health and the first thing they eliminate is obstetrics, now our our population have to drive 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles in distance uh, to have their to have their babies or to get their care. Mm -hmm. And then imagine that for mental health and behavioral health services. A county uh, just right uh, near us, uh, Lenawee County, eliminated their uh, psychiatric unit at their hospital because it was, again, a cost. Corporate said, nope, not going to do this. And the small rural hospital had run it for years. Big system comes in, we're not going to do it. And uh, the, the, the very unsettling nature of that is that individuals in a community who need the care now will not get it. Because, right. Rachel, the biggest challenge we face here is transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Do we have That's transportation huge. here? No. We don't. We don't have public transportation. We don't have Uber. We don't have Lyft. We don't no. We don't have access to all of that around no. these rural communities. No. We have a city system uh, that operates uh, throughout the day uh, during the week, and it only goes to the city. Uh, and then we have no countywide transportation efforts um, that can take care of our population. So imagine this. A big system purchases small system, and it crops out all of the cost centers, uh, and it's only looking for revenue, which they're only going to find if they send back the patients to their quote-unquote mothership. And so the hospital begins to suffer, and jobs are impacted, Uh, And ultimately, what stands in the balance is the lives of our patients. And when you say underserved, uh, this is something that's heavy on my mind and always has been. I can sit down very quickly and identify a program like we're doing right now for wound care. Uh, We're putting together a performer right now to bring a top-notch wound care program uh, to Hillsdale County. And it would include the hyperbaric chambers and and very close to this. Um, And this is something that is a, a risk. 
Um, but this is something that our community needs because, right. again, with transportation uh, in rural America uh, non-existent for public transportation, you know, individuals are not getting the health care that they need because they can't get there. Mm-hmm. And we oftentimes forget about that. In big cities, you know, urban centers, it's simple. You've got you can call any form of transportation and it's it's at your doorstep within minutes and then you're at your destination in minutes as well. It's not the way it works in rural health. I've often had times where people will share with me that they got rides with the Amish in a van mm-hmm. to come to Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. True story. And you hear those stories time and time again, or individuals calling our office and saying, we have no uh, we have no gas uh, in our car where, you know, we live in a very poor community. So um, those are all social uh, economic issues that we at local health can address. The right. big systems are not going to be arranging for a transportation ride. They're not going to be sending a gift card for, you know, for individuals to when they hear that there's a family need because mm-hmm. the people get together mm-hmm. in the office and say, we're going to meet that need for them. And they give them a gift card for food. Uh, those Those are compelling stories that I can spend all day talking about. But that's what you get with rural health. So when we go back to our original discussion that we had not too long ago in the studio about, you know, all all forms of health care are, in fact, and should be local because we know what's best for our community. I don't need corporate in Lansing and in Detroit or other places who know nothing about our community, Mm -hmm. nothing about rural health coming in here to dictate and to determine what's best in our interest. And it's only going to be done on a profitability basis. Right. It's hard to argue that uh, health care that's further from the patient bedside is better than the health care that is closer to the patient bedside. That is for sure. I think, Rachel, I would submit to you that it would be even more dangerous, right? Consider this, uh, heart attacks, strokes within minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to implement TPAs and we have to go through protocols. And if the patient cannot be stabilized, Uh, And there's no rural hospital or no rural health to do that. We're talking about these are life and death matters. Absolutely. And people, you know, will tell me, oh, it's you know what, JJ, it's time to sell your house. Really? What happens to the care in our rural communities across America? We've said it before, and you've heard it from many of our guests on this program, Rachel, 130 hospitals, and it's going to continue to climb. Mm-hmm. in the last 10 years have closed. Those communities have been devastated. They've been impacted. Why? The loss of the the economics to their community. But even beyond that, let's just take out the greedy administrator's you know, hat for a minute. And let's just say, what happens to the care that these patients need to receive? They're not getting it. Right. And so if there's ever been a time uh, when we have to realize that that as simple as all forms of government are are that local control, we have to consider the same with healthcare. Healthcare needs to be controlled locally. Uh, we don't need state and federal authorities uh, coming in to purchase small rural hospitals and telling us what we need. We know what we need, and we can make those changes quickly to implement programs that are effective for our community that impact and ultimately change and save lives. Thank you for joining us for today's mini-sode. There will be more of these in the future, and if you have a topic or issue you want us to cover, shoot us an email at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com. You can also find Hillsdale Hospital on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment in our normal full-length episodes. So if you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or send us an email at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story with us. 
You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes and more information or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.